You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. So if you've been paying attention, there have been quite a number of hurricanes lately. And folks, our heart at Bride Ministries goes out to those that are in disaster areas. I'll tell you what. There have been a number of people that have contacted us and asked if we are in a disaster area. Uh, My very, very grateful answer is no. I'm actually in the Dallas area, uh, but certainly have seen hurricanes strike Houston and now Florida. Um, We're going to pray for folks in those areas in just a minute. I want to say before I do that, our website is www.bridemovement.com. That's our center piece of our ministry where you can find everything you need from prayer resources to books, uh, class signups, the fireplace church, and also where you can donate to what we are doing because it is thanks to those of you that support us financially that we are able to continue to do what we are doing. Now, with that said, let's pray. Father God, we lift up those in the areas of Houston and Florida. Lord God, I thank you that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you will lift up a standard against him. I thank you, Lord God, that you are the ever-present help in time of need, that your eye is on a sparrow. And Lord God, we pray for those that are in the Houston area. And Lord, we speak expedited disaster relief and well-organized responses in Jesus' name. Lord God, I thank you that the integrity of infrastructure does not fail. Lord God, we pray that your children are surrounded with favor as with a shield. And Lord God, that restitution of lost things comes and comes speedily. I thank you for wisdom imparted to those that have received loss to rebuild and to be reestablished. Lord God, I pray for cooperation with insurance companies, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that you are a provider. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. Your word says that the gold is yours, the silver is yours, and we lose resources to those that have incurred great loss that they can be reestablished and, Lord God, can have recompense in Jesus' name. We speak over Florida and ask that there be a minimization, Lord God, of casualties. Lord, I pray that, Lord God, there be minimization of damaged property. Lord God, that you would employ your angels to push that storm away from us as quickly as possible in Jesus' name. Lord God, we thank you that you are a protector, you are a deliverer, you are a strong tower, and we thank you that if we say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and do not doubt in our hearts, but believe that what we say will come to pass, it shall obey us. Lord God, you said be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God, and the God of all peace will give you the peace which passes all understanding that will keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. I pray for peace. I pray for, Lord God, wisdom. I pray for right 
strategies applied to affected areas in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, I bless all restorative efforts. Thank you, Lord, for moving on behalf of those that need help in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, our heart is with those in Florida, those in Houston. And, you know, if you know somebody in those areas, um, you know, our heart is with you as well. With that said, we are going to get into the program. We're going to be talking again about coaching for coping with SRA and DID. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, you're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall, and we're back with just me this week, again, hanging out by myself, you know, all by my lonesome. Guys, we are going to continue a conversation I started with myself a couple of weeks ago, talking about coaching for coping with SRA and DID. And I I'm doing this because I get a lot of questions about different things. You know, a lot of questions come in through the ministry. Uh, People wanting to know how to better cope or manage the stress or the challenges they are facing. Because, you know, we have many people following our podcast that are waking up to the idea that, yeah, I was involved in satanic ritual abuse as a child. And, yeah, I do have DID. Yeah, I have parts. And now that I know I have parts, I'm trying to manage life more effectively. And, you know, last time I did one of these programs, Coaching for Coping with SRA and DID, that's, again, Satanic Ritual Abuse and Government or blah, 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 Dissociative Identity Disorder, uh, we, we talked about three main subjects. We talked about survivor's guilt and how to deal with that. We talked about abusive parents and families and how to deal with that. And we also talked about suicidal ideation, uh, three biggies and how to deal with that and and so in this particular podcast I'm I'm going to be talking more on the subject but I'm going to go into some other categories areas where some coaching I believe may help you and so what we're going to be looking at today we're going to be looking at self ministry um, internal communication techniques waking up to the idea that one has associative identity disorder or simply a great deal of fragmentation is hard enough. But once that bridge has been crossed, then there's the question of, well, now what do I do to get better? And, you know, if I don't have a coach or someone to work with me that knows what they're doing, or, you know, for those of you that can't afford a coach, maybe you're on our DID waiting list, which is free um, for you. And, uh, you know, all you have to do if, if, if you don't have any kind of way to pay or find help locally where you are or whatever, you know, you can sign up with Bride Ministries for our DID coaching waiting list. The, the 
challenge is that that list is over a year long at this point and we are taking people off of the list and assigning them to a coach as, as soon as we have the resources available and of course our resources come from donors that so into our ministry bride ministries just like you and so um, you know, we, we do what we can on that front and we are, you know, creating solutions. But for many of you, maybe, you know, you did that and you're waiting. You're waiting to hear back from us. And, um, well, you're not alone. There, so, so the question is, what can one do about the subject of self-ministry? How do you minister to yourself? And uh, one of the things that I have learned in, in working with survivors is, that there are a lot of challenges to self-ministry. And sometimes it can be easier for some than others. Beginning with the basics, obviously pursuing a relationship with God is a centerpiece of anything. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. He is the Restorer. And, you know, the Bible calls him Wonderful, Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know... To, to try to pursue a healing journey and even self-ministry outside of the power of Jesus Christ is, I mean, you can make some progress and, and there are secular techniques and even some of the stuff I use are, are also employed by secular therapists, you know, because... You know, certain things just work, but truly you want to pair everything that you are doing with a vital relationship with Jesus, with a vital relationship with God, creator and maker of heaven and earth. And so, you know, self-ministry begins with, in, in my opinion, a conversation on what helps you to get closer to God. And there are some things you're going to want to always keep in your diet. OK, that would be good teaching, <laughs> And um, you, you want to, you know, subject yourself to the word of God, to preaching and teaching on the word of God. You, you do want to put yourself in a place of worship, even if you don't have a local fellowship with, that you gather with. Because, you know, some of you listening to me from different situations, circumstances, different areas of the world. I get it. Um, just get some music on, on the Internet. Play it. Worship to it. If you don't like, you know, contemporary Christian music, I mean, get some Christian um, you know, gospel music or choir music. There's so many different types of music that one can use to enter the presence of God through worshiping with it. You know, I always recommend to people, you know, the presence of God has a way of ministering to us. And if we are always pursuing that, there'll always be a ministry, even if it's just a residual amount that's actually hitting our internals. Now, I do understand, and, and I, we got into this in the last podcast on this subject, the idea that there could be a fake Jesus or a fake Trinity and other confusions that come up. And of course, you know, for the complex stuff, we we, we rec recognize it's there. I mean, if you sat down with me, you know, to work on some stuff, I might be the one helping you work through that programming and that kind of bondage. But for those that are looking for self-ministry, I mean... I'm just going to keep this, you know, somewhat general. Um, a general rule of thumb is you want to put God at the centerpiece of that journey. And so moving on from that, you know, the idea that your parts, if you have them, and uh, are just going to talk to you, even if you are in a state of pure denial, is not likely. Uh I have found that when people are fragmented, their parts don't want to communicate 
unless they feel safe. Parts of people don't typically want to communicate unless they feel safe. And there's a whole lot of reasons why a part or a fragment of a person would not feel safe. One, if the person has no means of getting that part set free from a demonic prince or some kind of overlord in the spirit, some kind of um, ancestral bondage or, you know, bondage to a human spirit that is, you know, maybe a warlock in the cult or something, you know, many, many parts of people will have a, what we call a boss and, and that's whoever they answer to. And if they're not answering to Jesus or father God, or, you know, the core of the person, uh, they're, they're probably answering to something else which is not good and and so if there is no protection or safety net those parts are not likely to talk this is one of the reasons why a person that's overcoming satanic ritual abuse may be very difficult even for a um deliverance minister or or just your average you know christian um because i'll tell you guys you know authority authority is recognized in the spirit realm, particularly by parts that have had their eyes and ears open to the workings of the spirit world. You know, it's not uncommon for me to talk to a cult loyal part that can see the angels that stand guard around me um, as though they were standing there in plain sight while the uh, core presenter of the person can't see a thing. Um, and, And so... You have to remember when you're working with survivors that they have parts to see exactly what kind of situation you're working with. It, it, you know, if, if you go and try to work with a survivor that has a lot of cult loyal parts and they see that you have, you know, half your spiritual armor missing, didn't put it on, whatever. Uh, you lost your wedding garments. You, you, you all got sit all over the place. And, you know, you're just a general mess in the spirit. I mean, I can guarantee you that they're not going to open up to you. Um, as a minister because, well, <laughs> there's no way that you're walking in the kind of authority that's going to make them feel safe. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to get into an extensive conversation on that. I'm just being completely real and honest about the way it works. And and for the survivor, sometimes their cult loyal parts can be very difficult because just like they might look at a you know an unqualified minister and say, yeah, I'm not going to talk to him. The cult loyal parts aren't really going to talk to the presenter either, and, and, and they're going to want to you know try to minister themselves. But they're like, no, my parts won't talk to me. Or well, oftentimes it's because the person hasn't arrived at a place in their own walk with God where their evil parts feel safe or secure talking because if parts of a person talk even to the presenter and the presenter doesn't know what to do about it or the ministering person doesn't know what to do about it what will happen is nothing nothing will happen they'll share some information um, the person, if they're working on self-ministry, may just dissociate out of it because they can't believe what they're being told. Or the minister will just make some kind of, you know, Christianese comment. And and then what happens is that part of the person that is uh, now uh, attempting to switch sides and get something done is subject to punishment in the spirit. And it's very, very um, likely that as a... 
like within hours of trying to do that there will be the evil overlord they'll take them somewhere maybe in the body or out of the body like the fragment and and remember what are altars they well they could be different but many altars are soul fragments some fall into a category of both soul and spirit as like a combination and uh, some fragments are actually spirit fragments which are much more rare but you know you're you're talking many times about soul fragments splinters of the human soul that have been fractured due to trauma these are the altars of the parts and you will have these overlords and, and their punishers taking those parts that have spoken to very bad places places of torture and torment rituals where they're sacrificed all kinds of horrible things and they are many of the parts that are cult loyal are threatened and they are made to watch um you know people in the cult get sacrificed and different kinds of things during the programming and so they take very seriously their actions on this front and i'm telling you many believers and people are very very ignorant of what it means for a cult loyal part to actually present that's a very very dangerous move for a cult loyal part and so many times they're not going to want to come up unless there is some kind of safety now when people work with me and i'm going to give you an example of how this works we may get a cult loyal part but what am i going to do well i understand what i'm telling you so i'm going to say well who are you working for you know, well I, i'm working for mammon or i'm working for satan or i'm working for whatever i'm going to make sure that there is a renunciation oftentimes i'll use uh, our freedom from principalities and other fallen angels prayer i have some other specialized prayer that are beefier you know not necessarily on my website but a lot of our prayers are on the bridemovement.com website like the freedom from principalities and other fallen powers i'll use freedom from human persecutors if it's a human spirit that's the punishing you know overlord or whatever and i'll i'll create a separation between the person and that evil thing i'll also collapse evil realms that may have been built within the person that are uh, designed to be a place of torture or torment once that part is targeted i'll close off access points and i'll often put that part of the person in a safe place what is a safe place well when we're working with survivors a safe place can be with jesus sometimes i will go ahead and put the part right inside of jesus if the part is willing to do that because you know in christ we have redemption in him we have forgiveness of sins um in him we have light in him we have all these things and and i call him that is jesus hotel jesus because we are to be found in him and that literally can take place as you take pieces of people's humanity to put them inside of jesus um a safe place can be a place on the inside of a person and when i say the word inside what do i mean i mean within the realm of the person subconscious or in bible speak we call that their heart where we can have angels on staff like guarding a facility or a nursery or a hospital or some kind of thing like that will establish it within the person's heart and 
make it guarded, maybe put, uh, you know, speak and, and have a dome of protection established over a, a, a facility. You know, these are all strategies for creating a safe place. A safe place can also be in heavenly places because we are raised up together and seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Literally applied, Ephesians 2 verse 6 can can be used to take a part of a person's humanity and put it up in heavenly places out of the body for a period of restoration so that the cult and the evil ones cannot have access to that piece of the person's humanity for um you know for a season so so that the backlash or the uh, retaliation does not work for that part coming forward if you are trying to do self ministry knowing some of the things i just said are going to be essential because you have to understand that if you're going to engage in self ministry your parts if they're cult loyal are going to need a safe place to go once they talk otherwise they're going to be in for big pain and suffering and for that reason they just won't cooperate now uh, you'll also have to be able to execute some degree of deliverance for parts. I have found that many of the, and this is so funny because, you know, you'll see deliverance ministers and they will um, go at it for, you know, a couple hours with one demon and they'll be yelling, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. You know, they'll be going at it and just speaking and spitting and, you know, and the person might be rolling around on the floor after a while because the demons, you know, uh, just making a mockery of the event and and it's just like this you know contending for all this time and all this effort and everybody gets tired and you know i'm i'm, I'm going to be honest you know i i've i i started um doing you know deliverance and 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 had a few times, maybe not that extreme, but yeah, you know, I was there with these extended sessions where it's like, oh my gosh, why can't we just get the breakthrough? That was before we figured out the legalities and made things like the freedom from principalities and other fallen angels prayer and things like freedom from human persecutors and freedom from reptilian genetics and Illuminati genetics and getting to all these deeper levels that, um, you know, actually do get the deliverance really quick within 10, 20 minutes, however long it takes to get through those prayers. We're just seeing it, boom, delivered, boom, delivered, boom, delivered. It looks actually like the ministry of Jesus at this point in many cases where the deliverance is coming so fast and, and relatively effortlessly that, you know, we are beginning to see like, oh, this is actually what Jesus was demonstrating, not what, you know, as other demonstrations of deliverance have looked like. And, um, you know, I'm really excited about that and the wisdom that comes along with that. But, you know, what I'm getting at is there are certain things that go into the science of getting a person set free. And, that, and science is really the best way to do it because the uh, powers of darkness are very creative. And, and what we find many times is that they will do this thing where they take a demonic entity and... Um, merge it or meld it with a piece of a person's humanity um, this might look like a witch with horns on her head or something like that to the presenter when they see their part it just it looks very evil very wicked very diabolical and and if you try to cast it out because you think, oh, that must be a demon because it has horns on his head, it doesn't leave ever. It, it just, and you could yell and scream and shout and huff and puff and, you know, get out demon. And you know there's something demonic there, but yet nothing leaves. And what we learned is that one of the fastest ways to shortcut these kinds of things is, is 
with uh, a, 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 a box of living water. That's one of the strategies I use. We, we use other strategies as well. There's many, many creative ways to apply the science of the scripture and Bible and, and the mysteries of it and revelation to um, get processes done very quickly. But one, one of the things we, we learned about the living water is that, well, water is ionized. It, ionized means you have positive and negative on that water molecule. You have two hydrogen, one oxygen. Hydrogen is positive, oxygen is negative. Therefore, the water molecule is ionized. And that's why when you put a dish in water, especially soapy water, that you see that the dirt on the dish just gets pulled apart because the water is actually pulling the dirt off of like the pan or whatever due to ionization. It's the ionization of the water that accomplishes the pulling apart of different substances. And and when we put like demon-human combination entities inside of a box full of living water, simply by speaking it, Lord, I thank you right now that you have your angels confine that thing, whatever it is, you know, the lady with horns on her head to the box, to a box, and I caused the box to be filled up with living water. When you speak that kind of a thing, what happens is that the angels will come, they'll put that entity in a box full of living water, and in the box, it, you, the, the, the demonic will actually begin to be separated out from the humanity. And once the demonic is separated out from the humanity, it's as simple as now angels bind the demonic and take it out to wherever Jesus sends it in right now. And that's the deliverance. And, and um, you know, you can watch this. I mean, it, it's just amazing. You could have someone just commanding the blood of Jesus to blood of Jesus for two hours and not get a breakthrough. And someone like, you know, myself just comes along and says, oh, by the way, angels, put that thing in a box of living water, lock it in there until the demonic is separated from the human. I command that you bind the demonic and take it out to wherever Jesus sends it now. Boom. Delivered. And it's like, you know, oh, we're not even at 30 seconds yet. And we see this kind of process even in our, you know, one-on-one sessions. And if, if I'm doing private sessions, um, you know, one-time sessions, you know, people are always floored at how fast some of the stuff can go. And it's because we understand the mechanics. And if you're going to get into self-ministry, the more you know, the better off you'll be. And the safer, you know, your parts will feel if you have them with what you're trying to accomplish. You know, many parts maybe can't present because they are demonized, but if you find the demonized parts and you apply this strategy and pull the demonic off of them and have them sent where Jesus sends them, then you'll have a part. Maybe it's a baby, a two-year-old, a five-year-old, whatever it is that's left crying that then can receive self-ministry and cooperate. So there's a lot of reasons why a, um, a part of a person that is a soul fragment um, or a fragment that's both soul and spirit, whatever you're working with, may not be so willing to cooperate with self-ministry or receive it on the front end. That's kind of what I want to get across. But um, when the more we know, the better off we are. As we get into self-ministry, what we want to do is create a safe place. And, you know, moving beyond the uh, punishment component of this conversation, the a bondage component of this conversation. We have the acceptance component of this conversation. And here's the problem, right? Let's say you want your parts to talk to you, but your parts know that they are involved in the secret space program. And in order to come to you as the 
the person that believes secret space program is silliness. They're going to have to convince you that the secret space program is first of all real, second of all they are involved, and third of all that means that you have problems with entities that are in Orion and the Pleiades. Simple and straightforward, right? Well, not so much because when a part of a person's humanity begins to try to communicate and a person is dissociated because they don't want to know this stuff, what happens is it's impossible for the truth to get out. I mean, even the Holy Spirit has a very hard time speaking to Christians on things they do not have a grid for. That's why the Holy Spirit gave me the job to create the grid and tell you as another human being, this is what's going on. And many of people wouldn't even believe me. And that's okay because it doesn't matter whether people believe me or not. You know, we're getting the captive set free and see plenty of fruit. I, I don't need to convince anybody that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and the, the, the truth is, though, that even the Holy Spirit can't speak to people if they're not willing to uh, get a grid. You know, How can the Holy Spirit speak to a person about what's going on with them in a sixth dimension location if a person doesn't believe that there's anything beyond three-dimensional space? See, in order to speak about the bondage occurring on the sixth dimension, the Holy Spirit must first help the person to understand what dimensions are. <laughs> and then open them up to the idea that, and by the way, not only are dimensions real and they go higher than the third dimension, but there are things going on in these higher dimensions that have a direct impact on your life. Like there's certain prerequisites for God to even speak to us about th certain things. And, you know, I've asked God questions and God said, you know, you're not ready for the answer to that question. Now, he's not saying that he is going to answer me, but he's not saying that he's not going to answer me. He is actually answering my question at times with the response, you don't even have the right grid to understand the answer I would like to give you. And so parts run into this problem because people say, well, part, just talk to me and tell me what's wrong and what's going on and why I'm getting attacked every night in my sleep. And the part will go, well... That's because they're pulling us out of the body in the craft and taking us to Orion every night. But if they try to talk about that, first of all, they may get punished by their you know, buddies on Orion that you know, are totally anti-Christ. Second of all, they know that you don't believe that. It's even possible. So the, the safe place is established by being willing to accept Things that we don't understand or even want to believe are true. And so when I'm coaching people, it's like, how do you how do you begin to talk to your parts? Well, first of all, you know, get equipped with some spiritual warfare techniques and strategies for sure. Second of all, be willing to hear your parts out and to act based on what is revealed to you and to take a journey with Jesus to make sure that, you know... <laughs> Stuff is being dealt with and handled. Uh, now, in order to bridge the gap to certain parts and, and to engage in self-ministry, a, a, a key to unlocking the receptivity of a part that is broken inside of a person is to make that part know that they are loved and accepted and honored. Loved and accepted and honored. And and I'm just going to pick on, you know, physical abuse for a minute because that's, 
not uncommon. You know, children are go through physical abuse all the time, unfortunately, and then they grow into people that suffer the triggers and the uh, suppressed memories associated with the severe physical abuse they received as a child. Um, they may even have certain anxieties uh, and phobias that are unfounded in logic because it's related to traumas that they endured. So picking on that, you know, let's say you have the four-year-old that's, that, that gets his, you know, ribs broken because mom hit him with a baseball bat, right? And that part dissociates because the pain is so intense and, um, you know, you're dealing with that four-year-old. But but that four-year-old, is it, it's truly wrapped up in a, a bondage of self-hatred because, you know, how can I love a part of me that my mom hated so much? That, like, that's the kind of thinking that some people will fall into. Um, that, that, that the part of them that received abuse is the part of them that deserves to be hated, deserves to be rejected, and deserves no love. And so in their mind, as they're figuring out what to do with that, what they'll do is they'll dissociate that self-hatred, self-rejection to the little boy that got hit with the baseball bat, broke his ribs at four. And um, then they'll try to assume any positivity that they get in their life to their presenter. or, or and, and so... In doing that, you know, they may get to a point where they forget that the little boy even endured that horrible thing and um, it goes behind an amnesic wall or whatever. So now maybe during the, the course of self-ministry where a person sits down and they're like, you know, God, show me my parts or whatever. And, and they see a little boy there and they begin to feel the fear that that little boy carries because he's the one that saw mom coming at him with the baseball bat and, and, you know, that or other things, not once, not twice, not three times. I mean, this happened over a period of years. They, they don't want to go anywhere near it. As a matter of fact, it's like, oh, no, I'm not touching that. Um, we, we're not even going to go there, Jesus. I, 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 well, we deal with this all the time. And I have to often coach people and say, look. You have to stop rejecting the little boy that was abused or the little girl that was abused. That part of you needs to encounter the love of Jesus, but they won't if you don't open the door for that. And I, I tell people this fact all the time. It's a centerpiece of Isaiah 61. One, the fact that the, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to um, bind up the brokenhearted. It is, it, it is the application of love to brokenness and um, shatteredness. The truth is that God loves us. God is love. You know, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. And what we need to understand is that there is not a single part of us that is our humanity that God does not love. And so if there isn't a single part of us that God doesn't love, the truth is that there isn't a single part of us that with the love of Jesus, we can't love. Now, I'm going to be honest and just make a little caveat right here. Not all parts of people will receive love. 
there are many parts that are so cult loyal and so, uh, uh, you know, corrupted in their minds and thinking, uh, particularly if they've been heavily demonized or have huge, huge agreements and contracts with the powers of darkness that, you know, they don't want to give up. Um, but um, in a general sense, let's say we're dealing with the four-year-old boy, that's not going to be the case, per se. Um, and so what I encourage people to do during a period of self-ministry is to apply the love of Jesus that they're connected to to open themselves up to receive the love of God. And when the little boy, the little girl on the inside be begins to receive the love of God, healing is very accelerated. So um, let's say that little boy comes out, the person begins to feel fear. If I'm coaching them, I will say, now don't go anywhere. Don't go. As a matter of fact, angels, I want you to bring the little boy closer. So I have the angels bring the little boy closer. Then the fear intensifies, maybe feelings of discomfort, whatever. And I'll tell the person, I need you to look that little boy in the eyes or look that little girl in the eyes. I, I, because what I'm doing is I am helping a person to reconnect with the part of their humanity they have dissociated from. And I'll, I'll say, I want you to look that little boy, that little girl in their eyes. And I want you to repeat after me. Little boy, I love you. And the thing is, is that when, when there has been self-hatred, self-rejection, um, all, these, all, all these related issues surrounding that part of our humanity, when that part of our humanity gets love expressed to it from the presenter, you know, the person that I'm working with, we call that presenter, and and you know, I, I say sometimes the core is the presenter, the core being the original humanity from which everything is 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 fragmenting or fracturing off of. But sometimes presenters are not the core, and that's a different conversation. Anyway, you know, you work with what you have. If I'm working with the presenter, presenting consciousness, I'll have them in, in within themselves looking at this little boy, and. Uh, they'll say, I'll have them say, I love you. When, when I do that, I watch people. Many times this brings a person to tears immediately. Men, women, it doesn't matter. Uh, love covers a multitude of sins. And it is so extremely powerful. Sometimes if parts have been rejected or hated or, or really been the butt of or taking the brunt of a lot of evil, they go into confusion. Sometimes they just go into a place of joy. And, uh, you know, you, you take different avenues as you navigate this thing, but you always begin with this application of love. And then I'll say, don't stop there. Tell that little boy, I accept you. You know, self-ministry is what we're talking about, people. And, and what I'm talking about is creating a safe place. And a safe place is going to include what we, what we initially talked about, the capacity to deal with retaliatory efforts and the demonic component of what prevents parts from coming forward, switching sides, turning to Jesus, responding to you. Second part of it means developing an atmosphere of love and acceptance and honor. That's the, that's the second part. Developing an atmosphere of love, acceptance, and honor. And you do that by speaking. So that little boy now gets told, not only is he loved, that little boy gets told, you know, little boy, I accept you. 
again, this will be another wave of emotion that will that will create because you know that that little boy that got beat with the baseball bat, he was rejected by mom. He was rejected by anyone that could have protected him. And then because he was weak and wasn't good enough to be loved, he was rejected by you or the person that is suffering from DID. And so we're reconciling that with acceptance. And the truth is that the Bible says. Uh, we have been accepted in the beloved, Ephesians chapter 1. So, with that said, we move on and I'll have the person say, you know, little boy, I honor you. I honor you. Because when there's a void of love, when there's a void of acceptance, there is no honor. It's only dishonor. That part of our humanity has received nothing but dishonor. Being raped, being beat with a baseball bat, being shocked with cattle prods, being stripped naked, and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's all kinds of horrible things that happen to people, traumas, which are the reason why dissociation is happening. There is no honor. And so the, the, when, when honor is applied, you're actually applying a component of the culture of the kingdom of God. The culture of the kingdom of God is a culture of love. It is a culture of acceptance, but it is a culture of honor. It is a culture of honor. Not only do we honor God in the kingdom of God, but God will turn around and honor us. Jesus occupies the throne of David. Is that, I mean, talk about honor. God honored David in causing Jesus to occupy the throne of David. That is an honor bestowed upon David. You know, um, calling us the seed of Abraham. That is an honor bestowed upon Abraham. There are many men and women that have been honored in the scripture itself in different ways by God. As a matter of fact, God honors those who overcome in the book of Revelation. You know, he said, I will, I will cause him who overcomes to be made a pillar in my temple. Talk about honor. You know, uh, to him who overcomes, it will be given to sit with me in my throne. Another uh, component of, of, of what God rewards overcomers with in the first chapters of the book of Revelation. What an honor it is to sit with God in his throne. So God honors us. And we honor God. And there's an exchange of honor, you know. And when you see people and groups that engage in practices of honoring each other, there's something that's beautiful about that. Developing a culture of honor is a very beautiful thing, you know, where it's not just a bottom-up honor or just a top-down honor, but it's a back-and-forth exchange of honor. Um, th this this makes families beautiful when honor is enforced by the parents to the children where the parents commit to honoring each other. The woman honors the man. The man honors the women. The parents honor the children, but they train those children to honor them. You know, that, that is a family unit that is reflecting kingdom culture. And you know, honor, love, acceptance. I mean, you want to talk about a threefold cord. My gosh, it's powerful. And so we want to open that part of the person up. What am I talking about? I'm talking about self-ministry here. You want to give your parts honor. You're like, oh, well, how am I supposed to honor a part that was passed around a campfire being, you know, 
taken advantage of by aunts and uncles. Like that 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 part is that that part disgusts me, Daniel. I can't honor that part. Oh yes, you can because you know what? You're looking at it from the wrong angle. That part went through that horrible experience so you didn't have to. That's the miracle of dissociation. You were preserved. That part stayed in that place of pain and shame and trauma so that you as the presenter could move forward with your life, could survive, could maybe get somewhere or do something with your life that if that was present with your presenting consciousness at all times, you would have been impaled from. So what you have to see is that even the bad things that parts of us did, um, many times these bad things were done so that we could survive. Now, are there parts that do bad things that just need to be fired? Yes. Okay. Because if you are an adult and you have a part that does nothing but abuse those people around you, that part does need to stop. But, you know, what can be acknowledged or honored is the the initial job that part may have done in protecting you under some kind of situation or circumstance. So we have to be a bit more holistic about how we look at our broken humanity and, and not just label things as all evil or all bad or, you know, all shame, or whatever. You know, honor often breaks the power of darkness. Now, um, I, 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 you know, every situation and circumstance is different. And, and I recognize that I can't possibly account for every but what if <laughs> um, thought that is entering a person's mind. I can't do it. Right. Because that's what we do in the actual execution of the ministry. We, we get to all the but what ifs. And, and I'll tell you, for every generality, there are a million. But in this certain case or in this specific situation that falls under that that list of a generality it's like you can do this sometimes but blah 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 and if this is present or if that's going on this is how this would be augmented or altered or done different whatever you get the idea we're talking about general self-ministry love acceptance and honor applied to a part of a person's humanity i mean achieves a great breakthrough i will then have the person speak a fourth line saying, little boy, I want to thank you for what you have done for me. And this kind of comes back to honor, but it, it's thankfulness, right? That little boy, you know, took the baseball bat in the ribs so you didn't have to. And while it's like, yeah, it happened to your physical body, it happened to a piece of your soul that dissociated with that so that the piece of your soul that you are didn't have to spend your whole life trying to figure out how to cope with that. And that's something that we can actually be thankful for. And we have to remember the centerpiece of self-ministry is ministry. It's, it's, it's not establishing logic from an outsider's perspective. It's establishing a road or a venue by which healing can be achieved. So applying thankfulness to a part of our humanity, even if we disagree with certain things that those parts do, is huge. It's huge because, you know, that 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 little boy that took that baseball bat to the rib was never told thank you for anything that that only 
got rejection and hatred and violence. So thankfulness feels really good. I mean, even if you're just walking down the street and someone just comes up and says, hey, thank you. You're like, why are you saying thank you? You just have, you know, made my day with your outfit. It looks so nice on you and it's just, it just blessed, you know, and it's like, I'm being told thank you. Wow, I feel better about myself now. Same thing with pieces that are broken of your humanity. They'll feel better about themselves. Uh, point five, I'll have people give the part of them that is, is coming forward and receiving ministry a hug, you know. Um, that, that connects a person with their humanity in a deeper way. Because now you're touching, you're touching that part of your humanity that's been separated and sequestered out for years, maybe decades. And then um, I'll always ask that part, well, is there anything that you want the person to know? Or a person during a situation of self-ministry can ask, is there anything that you want me to know? Remember, you are working to create a bridge by which your parts can come forward and be healed, relate to you, talk, um, ultimately reintegrate back into the core so that you're more whole as a person. So in in, in short, what am I saying about self-ministry? I'm saying... Um, one, you need to be prepared to understand why your parts might not come forward. And the more equipped you are to deal with the reasons why they wouldn't come forward, the more likely they will be to come forward. You know, I have every kind of part coming forward to talk to me um, out of every kind of depth of evil and darkness because, well, when they look at me in the spirit, they're going to see the angels encamped around me. They're going to see the size of my spirit, man. They're going to see the weapons I'm working with. You know, and they're going to say, ah, this guy, he knows what he's doing. I can talk to him. He can create a solution for me. And, you know, the more that you step into that, the, the more you're going to see that they are willing to, you know, uh, talk to you. You, you want to um, ha- have certain understanding of certain mechanics that will help facilitate the process. And you want to create a safe place. Centerpiece, safe place. Um, safe place includes creating an atmosphere of love, acceptance, and honor. And, and, and those are the six points I just took you through. You know, little boy, I love you. Little boy, I accept you. Little boy, I honor you. Little boy, I want to thank you for what you did for me. Give me a hug. And by the way, little boy, is there anything you want me to know? There's your, you know, six points of success as you begin to engage in self-ministry. And um, hmm, I, I, I believe that that's going to help somebody because I use this process regularly. And, and again, remember what I was saying earlier. When, when you get to the point that these parts are talking to you, you, you just have to be willing to listen to them. Even if you don't agree with what they're saying um, or if you don't believe that what they're saying is possible. It doesn't matter. Just listen and research it out and give them room to explain themselves. As the parts of your person that, that are, have been associated for long times come forward and begin to explain themselves, it can be helpful to list their thoughts. And this is where journaling comes in. Or if you're not comfortable journaling, but you like to talk a lot, you could do voice recordings. Um, but 
if you're going to do voice recordings, it's very helpful to name your files with more than just a time and date. <laughs> because you want to know who was talking and what they were talking about. So you can have a record. So, you know, journaling is nice. If you journal in your computer, it's even better because you could do keyword search and find stuff real easy. But, you know, some people prefer to write it down because it's nice to even see the different handwritings that come out as you're connected with different parts, letting them list their thoughts as they've come forward into that safe place. They find that they can speak. And, you know, with some parts, as, as they are coming forward or presenting, you are going to realize that those parts do not know what year it is. They, they, they actually don't know where you are living. Um, they they wouldn't even recognize your body when they see it in the mirror. They're like, oh, I that that's different, you know. Um, so sometimes what what people have to do is remind their parts that they are in present time and no longer in a past abuse situation. That could be very important. Tell your part, you know. No, I know that your last memory was this and this and such and such, but you're not there anymore. You're here. You're in present time. Now, this can be more complicated if you are dealing with a part that's locked in a time loop associating with a past timeline, um, which is a little bit more difficult to do unless you have the capacity to go to that level on your own. Um, this is something that we deal with in a course of the coaching sessions that we do, but um, not necessarily going to be as likely that this is what you will find if you're doing this kind of work by yourself. So sometimes all it takes is just some comforting words and saying, no, you're not there anymore. You're in present time. It's safe. We're okay. We're right here in, in this place. Um, Self-ministry uh, is, it, it, it is very beneficial for... Um, getting out of confusion states, you know, and, and many times people go into confusion over issues because, well, they, uh, they're divided, you know, part of me wants to go, but part of me wants to stay. Let, let, let's just say it there, you know, and people that are dissociated don't really understand that the reason why it's so extreme for them is because the part of them that wants to go is literally a team of 152 parts and the part of them that wants to stay is 83 parts. All individual persons on the inside with opinions on an issue and there's a presenter trying to navigate all of these voices and all of these strong opinions one way or another and it's like I literally can't make up my mind. Um, this manifests very strongly in the case of relationships to handlers because, you know, you oftentimes handlers are a key relationship in the person's life, a roommate, a lover, um, you know, a husband or wife. And so, you know, as, as the person begins to come to an awareness of their situation, there's going to be a tearing that happens because maybe they are realizing that they are in a very, very unhealthy and unsafe situation. But there's a whole slew of those on the inside that are wanting to stay in there. There's a whole slew of those that are inside that are wanting to leave and they're feeling torn every day. But there doesn't seem to be a capacity to actually move. So there's a lot of back and forth emotional highs and lows and crying and problems and all of that. But 
at the end of the day, nothing ever changes and no movement is ever made. And maybe this is clicking for you because you know people that have been in this place. Maybe they've been in a really bad relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend. And you're like, why don't you just get out? Like, it's so clear to everybody that this is such a bad situation, but you never, you just don't move. You're like a lump. You're like a tree stump rooted in the ground, no matter how hard someone pushes or pulls in any direction. Fully commit or fully leave. Just get off the fence. They can't. They just can't. What's what, what could be going on is that there, there's an internal war of confusion with some people that fully are committed to one thing, fully are committed to another thing, and the, the line has been divided down the middle. Well, self-ministry can involve educating people on the inside that they aren't the only one with a say. And so sometimes it's helpful to do a vote. <laughs> and um, I know that's, that might sound silly, but for those that have DID, a, a, a voting procedure has proven. It's actually a proven tool of ministering yourself out of a stuck place. <laughs> should I stay or should I go? You know, I can't get out of it. Well, here, here, here's how you do it. You go into a, a place where you, you have kind of like some quiet and you say, I want everyone on the inside to pay attention to me. We are going to take a vote. Everyone's opinion matters. Everyone's opinion is valid. And everyone's opinion will be taken into consideration, but we are going to have a vote and everybody has to agree that the vote stands. And so the next step would be to say, I want to invite forward someone who has the opinion, who represents those that have opinion A. And you may want to speak this or journal this to speak from that place or journal from that place. And then have another part come up and say, I want another person to come up as a representative for those that have opinion B. And then you can give that a voice, write it down, speak it, whatever. Once the opinions have been fully heard on an issue. Then you say, okay, now we're going to take a vote. All those in favor of opinion A, raise your hand. And, you know, you could do an internal count or, or just feel it out. You know, uh, now everybody that uh, is of opinion B, raise your hand. As silly as it may sound while you're listening to me talk, in application, it works. And there will be a majority on one side of the coin or another. And if everybody agrees on the front end that majority rules, after the vote is made and the parts of a person at least have felt heard, it becomes possible to make a decision and get out of the stuck place. It's, it's, it's incredible. And it's like, oh. And the inner turmoil about making a decision can can just kind of evaporate within a moment. Um, Self-ministry also along these lines uh, means that parts are being educated that they aren't the only part that gets to make a decision under certain circumstances. So let's say sadness is beginning to come upon a person and there's a part that says, oh, this is when we cut. I want to cut. I want to cut. I want to cut right now. I want to cut. It'll help us feel better. I want to cut. You know, and 
a person that's been a cutter historically may not even know that they are dissociated, so they wouldn't even know to, what to do with that. They may think it's just a demon, when really it's a part of their broken humanity that might be demonized or something, you know. Once self-ministry begins and there's a revelation on what dissociation means for the individual, they could begin to do things like, hey, no, wait a minute. Cutting part, you know, maybe her name's Sarah or, uh, you know, Brooklyn or, you know, whatever. And you say, Sarah, no, no, no. Listen, you are not the only one on the inside that gets taken into account here. You may want to cut, but nobody else wants to cut right now. And so you are going to have to just sit down or take a nap. Um, sometimes addressing parts for who they are and what their job is and, and reminding them that they aren't the only one with a say is enough revelation to help, you know, diffuse strong feelings uh, uh, to do negative actions. Um, Self-ministry involves encouragement, you know, Parts of our humanity need encouragement just like we do. And it's a good thing once a person begins to connect with the fact that they are dissociated, they have broken pieces of their humanity, to go back on a regular basis and encourage the broken pieces of their humanity. Tell your parts that you're proud of them for what they survived. You know, you are really a... And I'm told that my word champion is now getting a bit generic, but hey, you know, I, I like champions because I feel like people are champions. You can go in and tell your part, you are such a champ. I mean, you you survived impossible circumstances for crying out loud. You're loved. Be encouraged, Sarah. It's going to get better. You know, Um when parts of us are, are because they can have emotions that are moving independent of our own if they get encouragement it can make our whole person feel better you know many times people when i get on the phone with them they're in a certain mood and they're like i don't know how to get out of this i've been funk whatever i'll say hey okay who's been feeling really really depressed lately and i'll have a part of them come up and I'll say all right joe you know, let, let's talk about it. What's making you feel depressed? Well, this is going on and that's going on and whatever, whatever. And I'll say, Joe, let me tell you something. Be encouraged in the name of Jesus. Let's pray about this thing and let's, you know, look at some solutions. Let's talk it through, whatever. Within a little while, once that source of depression in Joe has been, you know, addressed and Joe feels better, you know, the guy who has Joe on the inside of him is suddenly feeling a lot better because all of that negativity was actually an emanation coming over the presenter from Joe, that place of his broken humanity. And so encouragement is a huge component of self-ministry. Um, another way that people can minister to themselves is to uh, gift themselves things on the inside. And this is the uh, reality. The Bible does talk about something known as vain imaginations. Okay? Vain imaginations. And some people have taken the idea that there are vain imaginations and said that imagination or using the imagination is something that is not of God. 
that um, and, and, and here it is in Romans one twenty one, because that when they knew God they glorified him not as God neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened and so people say any kind of exercise engaging the imagination is a cult it's new age it's not of God blah 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 yakety smackety whatever look uh God didn't give us an imagination so we had something bad we had to carry around. The imagination is a tool of creative power. It can be used for good or bad. But the imagination itself is simply a component of our God-given design. Can your imaginations become vain? Yes. What are vain imaginations? Huh. Let me give you an example. Imagining how to do evil things better, right? Oh, um, how about imagining how you are going to fail at the next task you accomplish? Oh, well, I have a great opportunity to get a job, but my last two interviews didn't go so well. So I imagine that this interview isn't going to go so well either, which is how a lot of Christians use their imagination, because they're totally uncreative and they can't see a better future for themselves. This is ridiculous. Meanwhile, you have occultists being trained to create entire worlds with their imagination. They, they're trained to use their imagination for evil and diabolical things because it contains creative power that the powers of darkness harness. Did you realize that every system, every company, every corporation, every idea that we see in this earth began as an imagination in the mind of someone that was then transacted from that place into a physical manifestation on the 3D earth plane? The imagination has creative capacity. So while you can use it for vain things like... Uh, imagining untruths about your identity that don't line up with the word of God or how you're going to fail or how things aren't going to work out or how God let you down last time. And it's all of this vain stuff. You can actually use your imagination for things that are not vain. Like how you're going to succeed and how the nations are going to be influenced by the kingdom of God and its heralding. How new inventions are going to be, you know, dispersed throughout the earth, generating wealth for the children of the kingdom. I mean, there are so many things. And so, look, the imagination is not a bad thing. And if you're of the persuasion that using the imagination is a new age technique, Please turn me off and listen to someone else because like we just do not and we'll never agree. Um, and I, I have seen that God uses the imagination to bring people into realms of possibility to see what the world hasn't yet seen so they can walk out the actual plan that God has for their lives because it's beyond anything you can ask, think, or imagine. The reason why God is beyond what we can ask, think, or imagine is because in order to walk on the level he desires for us to walk at, we have to receive our imaginations from him so we can create out of his ingenious nature as his children. I, I could go on and on about imagination, but I'm not here to preach on imagination. That could be an entire podcast or series of 
teachings all unto itself. What, what I do want to tell you is that you can gift parts of your humanity all kinds of things that will make them feel special. For instance, let's go back to the four-year-old little boy that had his ribs beat in with a baseball bat. And, um, you know, well, once that little boy begins to get some ministry and feel better, uh, it can be helpful to say, hey, little boy, you know, did you ever get a toy? The answer might be no. But there's a knowledge that that little boy always really wanted a yellow truck. You can imagine a yellow truck and give it to the little boy because on the inside that imagination becomes reality in the subconscious imaginations can be manifested into reality very easy you can simply think it establish it and distribute it internally and it exists and um, even you know programming works off the conversation of the uh, imagination because you know, like one example of how programming can be done. They will totally traumatize a child, sit him in a chair, tie him down, get a cattle prod, and have somebody reading a script. Every time that the script gets to a certain point, say, you know, they're reading a script, and it says, you are now walking down a yellow brick road, and you see a rabbit, and when the rabbit goes into a hole, you will follow the rabbit, and now you will find yourself in front of a castle. You know, something like that. Well, they, they would read the script, stop, and then electroshock the child. Now, the child, in going through first a very traumatic experience, maybe being drugged, seated in the chair, their imagination is on, I mean, high alert. Like, it, it's just right there, and, and, and they're in this totally dissociated condition. As they're going through that script and, and having additional traumas applied, the imagination is building internal worlds established in the subconscious. I, I mean, the entire reason why programming works is because the imagination has such magnificent creative power. And the creative power of the imagination is so strong that what the child builds during those programming sessions can be established and upheld even when the person is 80 or 90 years old they're still in their mind in their subconscious a yellow brick road leading into a portal that puts them in front of a castle and if it's never been dismantled it still exists and how did it get there it got there because of the power of the imagination maybe working in harmony with some demonic help but by the same principle, God is able to do incredible things. And you can use this principle to simply minister to yourself. Think of creative ways to bless your broken humanity on the inside of you. Things to give them. Facilities to put them in. You know, we have a whole list of different kind of uh, facilities that we'll establish for parts of people. And we build them with the help of the Holy Spirit. And um, they look like water parks and petting zoos and housing districts. And I mean, we, we could go on, and but this isn't for that purpose. So I'm not going to give you an extensive list. What I'm saying is you could bless your parts by giving them things that they always wanted. And so in talking about self-ministry, th there's a whole lot of ways that you can minister to yourself. And... And so I hope this has been helpful. Folks, that's it. That's all I got for today. We're going to pause here. Um, there'll be more of these in the future. Coaching for Coping with SRA and DID. If you didn't get part one, go back and listen to that right now. 
You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and God speak. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.